Okay, Mitch and his dad podcast episode 37. I am Mitch and with me as always is my dad. I see you holding up your shirt that says Yankees Universe. There you go. I didn't know you were a Yankees fan. I, I thought, get a lot of flack around here from wearing that. I would assume so. I thought you were a Texas man. Is that just Well, I'm a, a Texas uh, man except when they play the Yankees. Really? Okay. And that's well, because I've been of a Yankee. Mantle, I mean, what? I can't, you know, I can't do anything about that. I've been a Yankee fan since I was a little boy. That's because of Mickey Mantle. Yeah. I so see. anyway, uh, so I, I assume they're playing Dallas uh, this week or something. No, no, they're actually out there by you this week. They're in Anaheim right now. Well, then why the shirt? Uh, it just came up. I have a I have a routine I go through with my T-shirts. I wear certain ones every night. A different one, and they're in order in my closet. Mm. So whatever happens to fall on me on a particular night, that's that's what I wear. Good plan. You know, I, I got it figured out. I, I keep thinking I should go the uh, the Einstein route slash uh, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character in The Fly, where I just buy, you know, seven pairs of the same suit. Yeah. Or, or I guess eight. You need eight. Because it's because uh, then you wear the eighth one, I guess. I would assume. I mean, in the movie, he only used seven. But I think about it now, and I'm like, no, I guess you'd need eight suits. So you never think about what you have to wear. You just pick the next one off the rack. And I think, well, yeah. if it's suits, you need to get them, like, dry cleaned or something like that. So that's where I'd go, well, you need eight. So you can wear that eighth one on the eighth day yeah. while the other seven are getting cleaned. Yeah. I might do that one day. And just have all black suits or something. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense right there. It's very similar to what you do. It's just I would actually, you know, look stylish every day. By the way, the Dallas Cowboys, this is a cup from a Dallas Cowboys game. Uh-huh. Can you see that it's 3D? Uh, Yeah, yeah, actually, I can. How about that? Yeah, look at that. I got 3D cups, man. 50 years, I guess. I assume that's yeah. what 50 means. I assume that's Yeah, that's what, what it is. Mm. 50 years of cowboy heaven. Yeah. All right, now let's hear about your week with the dates and so forth. Women women in your life and stuff. Uh, my week since last Tuesday? Oh, just give me the last two weeks because we didn't talk women last week. Um... Uh, no. Have they been any women in the last yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been there's been a few here and there. There's been a few. Talk to a couple of women. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, uh, my comedy is getting uh, a lot more um, uh, a lot more personal and better. I guess I feel pretty comfortable about it. And friends of mine who are also comedians who've seen me perform a dozen times or more are are telling me just kind of out of nowhere calling me to tell me like hey i really like that set you did the other night i really like this thing or that thing or that it was uh... i drove home with a comedian friend of mine recently and on the drive home he asked if i recorded the set i said yeah i record all my sets and he goes i want to hear it because I, I it was so good i'm thinking like was it just the energy or would i also laugh at the jokes if i wasn't there with the people and he wanted to hear it on our drive to uh, another show so, you know, that was kind of a, a, was a really good honor. But um, because of that, women are talking to me after shows now, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'm not used to well, that. Well, your shows must be, for one thing, you probably look different on stage. 
because I don't have a mohawk? You look different on stage. And then the second thing is maybe your maybe your comedy is getting a little more sophisticated. I, guess I actually I, I really want to. I'm trying really hard right now to set up a birthday show for this year, either on my birthday or right near my birthday. Ideally on my birthday, where I would do a like a thirty or forty minute set and release that as its own like miniature album. Because oh. I'm I'm very happy with the material I've been doing recently, and I've got a bunch of new material that I've written that kind of goes along the same line. And I'm it's that weird thing as a comedian that they always talk about when you talk to older comedians or comedians that are really good. Um, they always talk about their voice, like finding your voice as a comedian. And I worried for many years that. I didn't really have a voice that I could just kind of go one way or another way or things like that. And then um, I heard a few comedians recently, interviews where they said, you don't find your voice. You never find your voice. Your voice finds you. And um, I'm starting to get to a point where I, I see that, like where I feel like my voice is finding me in comedy. So it's kind of... Every joke I, well, I mean, do fits uh, in with my style. What do, you, what do you what do you see or sense as the difference in what you're doing now and what you were doing? There's a little bit more uh, passion to it. There's a little more like urgency. Um, I can I can go off on long rants that are very quick, um, quick in speaking. I, I I rattle off now in very fast ways. Uh, but I cover a lot of ground in a matter of less time. So it's like a, a what I try to do is I set up a joke very slowly. You don't know where I'm going with it. You kind of saw it on the DVD. There's a few jokes like that where I set it off real slow. And yeah. you don't know why I'm talking about whatever I'm talking about. Like, why does he mention being an atheist or whatever? And then I talk about you know, the elastic. Anyway. Um it's that kind of thing where I start off real slow where I go, you know, people ask this or I talk about this or I think about that. But that got me to thinking. Bah! And then I set up a premise based on something completely that, that seems outside of that subject. And then I go off and I, I do this very rapid-paced rant in great detail about uh, that subject. And I think that you know, there's a lot more passion in there. There's a lot more energy. And that was the other problem is I didn't bring energy to every show I did. It was all very based on the audience. And now I'm not doing that as much. Now I'm just I'm bringing that energy regardless of the size or the energy of the audience around me. And I found that finally the audience uh, takes a few years to realize that. But uh, if you bring that energy, even if the audience isn't ready for it, they'll meet you. They'll meet your energy. Because they're surprised to see it. Because they're like tired, and they want to, you know, uh, but there are all these comedians. You know, some of them good, some of them bad, some of them halfway. Yeah. And so you get to the end, and you think, well, they're tired, and you try to give them a little bit of energy, and they kind of, ha ha, and you go, well, they're not ready for this. I'll calm it down. But I found if I just keep railing at them, they'll pick that up. They'll pick up that energy. Um, one of the jokes, I get these little uh, I get these little things on my screen like just now it came up that Carly Carberg is now online. Do you get those too when you have her as your Yeah, you'll see that, yeah. Did you see that same thing just I now? Did. Yeah. 
Yeah. What does that mean? Is she's on Skype? Is that what that means? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So she 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 could be like listening to us? No. 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 It's just letting her know that if you if you wanted to talk to her right now instead of me, you could call her, and she would see that you were calling her because she's got Skype. Oh, would be like a third person on here? Uh, I don't know how that would work. I don't know that I. I mean. I don't know. Maybe she hear both of us? I don't know. I haven't tried that. I've never tried to pull in a third person before. We should know that. I'm sorry. I've never tried to do it. I this don't know. is something... Theoretically, yes, but I don't know. I mean... But we don't know, so we therefore... Know. Yeah, we'd have to try it another okay, time. Okay, so we went from talking about women, which we never did talk about. Well, about <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Oh, I, I know, see. I yeah, little, uh, Scully from uh, Monsters, Inc. I have toys that I play with. This is one of them. Yeah. Is that a little plush doll, or what is that? Like a squeeze toy? Like a stress ball, or what is that? And that's Spider-Man? This is a squeezer. This one here, this one here, you can squirt water out of it. Okay. All right. This is like a doll thing. This one. Yeah, Scully from Monsters, Inc. Yeah, and this is, they're around my office doing different things. I have, I mean, I don't know if you can see behind me, but I have Burger King did all these uh, little Star Wars oh, toys yeah. right around I have those episode three. I have things like that. Yeah, so I got, I've got, i got all of the ones that Burger King had. What I have is... Actually, I think I might be missing one or two. I have all the great monsters. I have the Wolfman, Dracula, Phantom of the Opera, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein... Huh? I said I was just laughing. I was. I was yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, it's... Now I'm curious to know why you, why you ask about the women. Oh, well, I was just trying to find out what you've been doing. I know, but that's just that's... supposed to be coming up with the topics this week. So well, no, I didn't... I'm just saying. Like, I mean, you don't necessarily tend to go. How's the comedy been going? Or how's the other podcasts? Or what's up with work? Or, um. What do you do with I your time? Right the- you, you do kind of go to like, what's up with the women? And I'm, I'm just, it's a, it's a curiosity. Why is it that you ask about women specifically? Well, I, I think uh, it's an interesting thing for other people to hear about, for one thing. You know, okay. it's something that people that might listen to this might enjoy hearing something about, you know, women in general. I, I would, you know what, here's the thing is like on every other aspect of my life uh yes but i feel like on this podcast um based on language and the content of our conversations i feel like discussions about women in my life are never appropriate that's sort of my yeah well i don't want to hear about any sex or anything i I realize that i'm just saying everybody else every other avenue in my life that's where the conversation goes i'm i'm usually more than happy because that's so much of my life and what i like what I focus on is women, so often that oh. I don't I don't censor myself. So with you, I'm like I don't know what to tell Dad. Do I say Do I say I went on a date and we had fun? Like what do I I don't know how to phrase anything. Well, I'm just trying to get sort of a general rundown. Like, did you have any dates? I mean, did you like the girl? What was she like? And you know that kind of stuff. 
right. Well, I, I don't had need a, to have any gory details. I, I get that. I get that. I'm just not very good at not giving gory details. Uh, well, then we know. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to think how to phrase it. I, I, I mentioned the comedy thing because I uh, think I can understand where you're going with that. A girl I mean, had. I, a girl had talked to me after a show. I was. Here's what happened. This is a kind of a funny story. Is that I, I was I went to see f- a friend perform because he and I were going to go to another show after this show to see a huge comedian do his first one hour special for HBO, and uh, he said, "Oh yeah, cool, I'm at so and so tonight." I was like, you know, "I haven't been there in a while. I'll stop by and you know see you perform, and then we'll go to the show." And he was hosting, which means he's on in between every comedian. He he goes up, does a minute of material, and then he brings up the next comic, so on and so forth. So I show up. I know the guy who's hosting it. He's he's uh, the guy who who uh, or hosting it uh, uh, booked it rather runs the night as they call it, and uh, he's the same guy who ran the night that I did my uh, DVD. So we're friends and everything else. So I show up. I see my friend doing his hosting thing, but halfway through the show, the guy running it says, "Hey, do you want to go up? I, I don't really feel like going up tonight, and we need a headliner." Because he skipped out to go see the show that my friend and I were to go see. And I thought, well, that's silly because I'm here. He said, yeah, so we don't have a headliner. Do you want to go up and do 10 minutes at the end? I said, absolutely. I would love it. So right about before the end of the show, the front table in front of the stage cleared out. Which um, is really bad if they're just audience members. But it's even worse when it's audience members who came to see a certain comedian and that comedian yeah. was sitting with them at their table. And then that comedian gets up and takes all of them with them. So now there was this big empty table in front of the stage. And I thought, well, that's where I'll sit because I've been sitting off to the side of the stage and there's no room. It was a packed house. I sit down. I get up to close out my tab at the bar because I know I'm going up soon. And in between the time that I got up from the table after setting all my stuff down and going over to the bar to close out my tab, a girl had sat down at the table. So that I sit down at the table, and so I'm sitting next to this complete stranger, and she looks over at me and gives me a hand motion, like, bum me a cigarette, basically. So I give her a cigarette, and she just leans into it, like, light my cigarette. Doesn't say a word, just sort of assumes I'm going to do all these things. I'm like, whatever. I go up on stage, and it was a really, really good set. That was the one that my friend wanted to hear on our way to the other show. And uh, it was just full of energy. It was a very good crowd. I felt really good about the set. And it was a lot of new material that I was trying out, and it all worked, and I was just very happy with it. So I get off stage, and I go to the table to collect my stuff and leave. And this girl who was sitting next to me who completely ignored me was suddenly like, I didn't know I was sitting next to the headliner. In fact, she said that. She said, I didn't know I was sitting next to the headliner. You did wonderful up there. That was it was so good. I didn't know you were a comedian. I was like, well, I, I didn't, what was I going to do? Interrupt another comedian to tell you, hey, by the way, I'm a comedian? She said, no, I just didn't expect that you'd be sitting at the table. I figured you'd be off to the side. I said, well, you know, this is the only place to sit right now. So we talked for a brief moment, and I said, you know, uh, let's uh, let's go out sometime. And she said, okay. I was like, all right, look, I have to run because I'm literally I'm late for another show that I'm, I'm going to go see, and I, and I don't want to miss any of it. So I'm sorry I'm in a bit of a rush. Normally I'd be a lot more cordial, I'd be a lot more polite, but I, I have to run. Here's my business card. Give me a call sometime. Let's go out. Uh, apparently she thought that, that I was um, 
that I just did that, that I just met girls at comedy clubs and handed them my card, which I I just don't do. I mean, I, I guess I did in this situation, but it never happens. Never. Girls don't just, like, come up and want to hit on me after a show, and I give them my business card. So I did that, and uh, she never called. And then uh, the following week, I went back to see another show at that same club, and this girl was there but then left, and then the show ended. I was hanging out with the promoter. And she showed up again, and there was nobody but just me, the promoter, and now this girl. And she's like, hey, we've met before. And I remember her name, and she didn't remember mine, so she felt, I guess, obligated to sit down with us for some reason. So she sits down, my friend, the promoter, he decides to take off, and I, I hung out with that girl for the night. So, in a sense, that was a date, and we hung out all night. And um, That was not a was date. That? I mean, you know, whatever. I bought her some drinks. We had a nice conversation. Okay. You know, we did have like a, we had a pseudo dinner. Do you dinner. take vitamins? No, I've been meaning to, I guess, but. You take no vitamins? Mm-mm. Do you eat cornflakes or any kind of cereal? Yeah, I do. Eat, I I still, oddly enough, I still eat Cheerios. All right. Well, Cheerios are good. They got the whole grain. That's good. Yeah, you yeah. put fruit on it? No, no. It's whole a funny, meat, whole, is, whole milk or skim. Uh, I don't really pay attention to the milk. I just buy whatever. I I think I usually get two percent, but I don't really remember. A two percent, yeah, that's good. It's a funny thing though because I remember growing up, you and mom never bought us sugary cereals. I didn't get sugary cereals till I was in high school. I don't like that. I think that's a bad idea, sugary cereals. So. I'm I, I'm with you now, but <laughs> at the time I was always jealous because all my friends got the sugary cereals. Yeah. And uh, and so I'd go over to their house and be like, oh, my God, you have sugary cereals. And then, uh, yeah, in high school, mom didn't care. She'd buy sugary cereals probably because of uh, a stepsister who was used to sugary cereals. And it's funny that as an adult, I can buy whatever I want. I could buy sludge and pour it down my gullet. I could just drink sugar all day long if I wanted to. And yet I can't stand anything but Cheerios like I mean, I, uh, I like other healthy uh, cereals mostly, like grape nuts, Cheerios, um, bran flakes. Yeah, things like that. I don't like sugary cereals. I hate them. Like they're disgusting to me, and I feel like a five-year-old when I eat them. So, but I love oh, the taste good. of Cheerios. So, well, you should get you a multivitamin. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I've been trying to change my, uh, like I, I every day I work out a little bit. Like I, I do. My personal trainer is – I'm trying to buy, like, new equipment. He's going to come over and show me how I should use it. But the gym here in this complex um, is shut down right now because they're rebuilding it. So I'm like, well, I could get a set of weights, but I can't do anything with them really. I'd have to do all free lifts and no bench presses or anything, for instance. Or uh, even squats would be kind of difficult because I'd have to awkwardly put the barbell down after a squat and not have any kind of rack. And uh, so I said, what can I do in the meantime? He said, look, every day do push-ups. He said, what was the last time you did a push-up? I said, I, probably last time you trained me two years ago. And he said, okay, well, try to do 10 push-ups twice a day. And I could barely do five. I was just, it was destroying me. And then after about a week, I got up to 10 at a time and then 20. And now every day I get home before I even sit down, I do 30 push-ups. Like, 
And I okay, but you still need the multivitamin. I know. I'm just saying. I'm I'm working out a little bit. You know. I'm okay. Feeling good about that. I'm proud of that. What what what? Do you have any kind of a chain grocery store that you shop at? Yeah, we got those. Like Kroger or Albertsons or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's where I go. I don't go to like. What the do you have over there? Market. Uh, we got Ralph's and Vaughn's. I usually oh. go to Ralph's. Let's go Ralph's. Uh-oh. What? We got the stall going on. You? Am I? Are you not hearing me? Oh, now now we do have this. It is. It was just cutting out for a moment there. Broken just, up. I can hear you. Can you not hear me? I can still hear you, moving around. I mean, I don't see the video, but I can hear you just fine. Can you hear me? No, not so much. Hello, check, check. You there? It says internet problem. All right, well, I can still hear you, but I just can't see you. Yeah, I had to turn off the video. It said turn off the video. No, all right, well, then we're good. We're good. But yeah, so I'm just, I'm trying to get more healthy. Uh, I'm going to be... Uh, Switching to electronic cigarettes uh, in the next couple days, maybe even tonight. Electronic cigarettes? Yeah, it's it's all it does is deliver the nicotine, and it feels like smoking, but it doesn't have any of the uh, downsides of smoking. You know what's funny now? The reception is real bad as far as the video. Well, I can turn off my video too, but I wouldn't worry about it because I can hear you fine, and that's what matters. Well, wait. Let me see if my video is working now. There you I, go. Yeah, all right. Um, see, so, I like to look at myself as well. See? I got you. I got you. So, yeah, the, the electronic cigarettes, they use a sort of a water vapor. So it creates what looks like smoke. So as a smoker, you feel like you're smoking. And you get the nicotine. So you're not having nicotine withdrawals. But there's it's water vapor, so it's harmless. Well, nicotine is not harmless. No, but it's not. It's not. That's it's, what kills you, in fact. No, no. What kills you is all the other. It's carbon monoxide, and it's the... Uh, the nicotine doesn't kill you? No. Nicotine's addictive. It's not like it's not like it's terribly good for your body, but it's certainly not. The, the problem isn't it's the nicotine. It causes the cancers and stuff. No. It's all the other stuff that causes the cancers. So, uh, I mean, eventually I'll quit smoking, but... There's so many people I've I've uh, talked to and known and stuff like that. They switch to electronic cigarettes, and then smoking becomes basically about the nicotine and not all the other stuff. And then you can sort of weed yourself off of it. Because with a regular cigarette, like I light up a cigarette, and it has a certain amount of you have to finish before the cigarette is done. So you're in a way kind of forced to smoke an entire cigarette just to get a quick nicotine fix. But with an electronic cigarette, it's one puff at a time, and it's electronic. So you can take a puff, and then it immediately turns itself off. So you don't need to finish a cigarette. And most people I know that that smoke electronic cigarettes, there's not that many of them, they'll take a puff or two, and then they're done for half hour, an hour, whatever. 
and you don't feel like you're huh. wasting anything per se. So it sort of weeds you off of cigarettes by giving you an almost identical cigarette experience. Some people just like smoking the, uh, electric cigarettes. Did you hear about the wind farm, the windmill problem in California? I have not. No. What's that about? Well, now this is not political. This is not a political. <laughs> However, good. It has to do somewhat with the green idea. You know, the not the green, the uh, animal rights people. Okay. What's happening is there's so many wind farms in California now that the bird watchers have noticed an increased killing of eagles by these big windmill things. Okay. So they have decided to make a complaint that the windmill flying eagles, for instance, which are you go to prison if you kill an eagle. Yeah. And uh, these wind these windmill they have all these dead eagles they bring and show people how many dead eagles have been killed by these windmills. So there's a big divide in because usually all those people are on the same side of one issue. You know, the people that are protecting the environment and the animals and the people with the wind farm, you know, they're kind of in the same camp normally. Yeah. But in this case, they're on opposite sides of this issue. Right. Because so, it's 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 uh, natural green energy versus save the animals. Right. right. And the, the natural green energy people are talking about how much, you know, energy is being produced by these wind farms and... It seems like a small price to pay to kill a few birds is basically what they're saying. I mean, that's, uh, but that's there are all laws about killing eagles on purpose. I guess that would be. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that but, if uh, you if you were driving down the street and an eagle ran into the front of your car, I don't think you'd be held accountable. No, and and the other thing is, this is something that is only even a topic in California. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it. It's kind of a California conundrum, I guess you'd call it. Well, that's always been the fascinating thing to me because there's there's so many sides of that coin that, you know, look, I lived in Seattle. You think California's bad. Try try the Northwest sometime. And uh, there, are people, there are people in Seattle and in the Northwest, really, that are, are so – it's sort of a self-defeating thing where they try to be so green and so natural and so anti-meat and vegetarian, vegan, and everything else like that. And yet, so many friends I knew out there basically tried to live this life where they weren't making any damage on the environment. Yeah. To such a degree where it's like you get to some point where you realize, wait a minute, if I go any further than this – I'm sleeping under leaves that have already fallen from a tree and I'm naked 24 hours a day and I'm eating only what falls out of the river every day and only what a bear wouldn't eat anyway. And like it, it gets this ridiculous thing where there's just no way, no animal on earth, ourselves included, no animal on earth can't make any impact on the environment around them. So you need yeah. to decide what your impact is going to be. It gets it gets ridiculous, and I think that about all of these green things, it kind of comes down to like 
if there's a way to to minimize or at least decrease our negative impact while still keeping us all alive and happy that should be a good that's that's a good thing as far as i can i there's there's no downside to that um, yeah the, the downside comes in where you get into the corporate things but i don't necessarily disagree with the various interests in so far as for instance when it's hard to legislate it's that whole thing that you it's hard to legislate manners or uh morality where for instance um if you make laws about protected species and, you, and there's there's laws where it's like, well, you can't cut down all of this forest because there's the rare bull weevil that lives on this land or whatever have you. Or you can only go in this place if this thing that have her uh, protected species act and all this different stuff. What ends up happening is um, the people just don't report it. If you want to cut down a bunch of land and you find a rare species on that land, you just kill it and say nothing because if you say anything they you won't be able to build that land meanwhile there's there's three per 10,000 acres of this animal that they're trying to protect and yeah. you, you kind of go well look am I I'm really I'm going to save I'm going to stop doing all this work that's benefiting humanity in all these different ways creating jobs whatever have you because of three animals that barely exist in this region so you kind of push it under the rug so that's the the, the tug and pull of it but i think that you oh, know, hold, hold on I'm, a minute i'm got, coming right got, back i gotta show you this Okay. You still there? Yeah. I just wanted to show you this. What's that? 1493. There it is. The book I told you I just ordered oh, last week. Oh, all right. All right. There we go. Have you? How much have you read of it? I've read uh, 124 pages. Wow. So far, it's 400 pages. So, so I'm doing pretty way. good. Yeah, I'd say so. In a week, that's not bad. Or in less than a week, because it hadn't even arrived yet when we talked last. That's what I'm saying. It, it arrived Friday, and uh, I didn't read it until uh, Sunday night. Uh, I read some, and then I read some last night. I should start <laughs> But uh, it's really, really well written. It's This guy is really good. And, uh, it's, of course, it starts right off the first page tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> I think what it is is it's probably the most common thing that people can't hardly believe you know it's like yeah that makes know, sense all of all of the tobacco and the corn and the potatoes and all the other stuff the tomatoes is the one you have a harder time getting people convinced about so he's trying to make sure that you yeah. realize that that is definitely a factual yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, because when you learn about the Native Americans, you know, when you're young at least, uh, maybe even nowadays, when you think of Native Americans, you think of like corn, tobacco, 
you think of uh, various weaponry, you think of the buffalo, stuff like that. You don't ever hear about tomatoes. It's almost like they just didn't care that tomatoes existed. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that well, they... The, the, sure Italian, that the Italians are the ones that care about the tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's... <laughs> I feel like that's a big crux right there, is that you don't hear Native Americans talk about tomatoes, and you're the Italians not, going crazy about tomatoes. Is it just something to your sound? No, I... No, okay, now I hear better. For maybe some I, reason, might be because I leaned away too far. I don't know. Might be. It could be. Yeah, it could be what it is. Yeah. But uh, this book is going to eventually evolve into all the things that happened after his first trip to the New World. That's why it's called 1493. It's kind of, as I told you, the Pangea thing. He uses a, a, a another guy's book uh, that made the, the and that uh, and this other guy's book is the guy that had made the comment about Columbus actually stitched back together the whole idea of Pangea because of the amount of trade and immigration and everything else that happened following his discovery. But uh, it's very positive Columbus, so that's why. I'm going to probably enjoy it fully. <clears throat> so we can talk about Columbus as we get closer to that. Uh, in fact, yeah, I'll have sure. some updates because we're coming up on a period here where he makes actually the first part of the trip where he goes from Spain to the Canary Islands. And uh, he stays in the Canary Islands for quite some time working on the three ships and making sure they were ready to go over the ocean and all that stuff. Now, with your extensive research on Columbus and those times specifically, when you read a book like this that sort of fills in... I mean, I think for somebody like me, it would be an eye-opener because I don't know squat. Um, yeah. But for somebody like you who's read so much, how much of it would you say is an eye-opener? Well, I mean, as I say, I'm just into it now. I think... Uh, it's more it's more um things that you wouldn't sort of think of having resulted from the trip as his his four voyages such as things that happened even after he was dead you know the, the spanish uh he talks about these spanish guys that got into mexico and and crossed over Mexico by foot and then used ships to go to China, which was actually where Columbus was trying to get to anyway. So that part of it's going to be real interesting. It, you know, I haven't gotten to that yet, but that's going to be quite interesting. I understand there's a section in there about some statues that were built in Manila in the, in the Philippine Islands. <clears throat> Uh, of different uh, explorers, uh, Spanish explorers, and uh, and then the Spanish explorers themselves put up monuments to Christopher Columbus in some of these long-off little islands in the Pacific Ocean, which Columbus never did get to, actually. But they were they were recognizing the fact that all of it started with him, you know, so... And in my understanding, that'll, that'll be that'll be an interesting part of it for me, you know. 
Yeah. It, the, my understanding uh, from his his just his initial uh, motivation, if you will, was finding a a shorter route to basically spices to India, well, China, yeah. things like that to spices. Am the, I right about that? route to the east, the shorter route to the east, because the there was a tremendous amount of political upheaval and. In the nations of of the world at that time, which was basically Europe and Eastern Europe, and uh, there was a tremendous Muslim takeover of different parts of the world, and there was the Crusades with the Christians trying to retake Jerusalem from the Muslims and all that stuff. Right. So <clears throat> that that strife in the middle of Europe was making it very difficult to travel by land to get to the east. Yeah, but what I was saying is like getting to the east was all about spices, am I right? Like well, I wouldn't say all about, but yeah, the the the, the trade possibilities, silk was a big thing that okay. they were creating okay. silver coins and stuff. Uh, different kinds of fabric <clears throat> for clothing cotton and all that kind of thing. All right. Well, that makes more sense then. I just uh, I was heard about like various spices and things like that. I, I, yeah, the spice thing actually if you look salt, at it, spices, the spice uh, thing came yeah. I would say probably 150 years later sometime in the 17th century you begin to get when when Britain kind of took over the world at that time. I mean, the, the British Navy ruled the seas. Right. Britain colonized the known world at that time. And uh, they were the ones that traveled all over the globe looking for spices. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's thing. That, that story, uh, the spices comes around. Yeah, it just, it's, it's, it, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine. He and I had went to a steakhouse the other night. He was like, you got to try the steakhouse. He's like, for the price, this is one of the best steakhouses in this area. And, you know, you really like it. I was like, all right. So I met him up and I had a steak there. A filet mignon, no less. Because uh, I'm a big fan of steak. But, you know, he's just like, oh, I love this place. That was such a good steak. And he's like, what did you think? I said, yeah, it's a good steak. And he, he expected me to be, you know, ecstatic. Like, oh, my God, this steak. Yeah. <laughs> And he's he said, "What's wrong? Are you, you you said you love steak." I was like, "Well, I mean, yeah, I really love steak." Because you don't even sound that excited about it. I was like, "Well, I said honestly, if you could give me food in a tube that had all the nutrients I would need for a day, and I just could just shoot it into my mouth once for the whole day, and I had all my vitamins and nutrients, and obviously I've been trying to look honestly, I've been trying to look for that magic food where I could just shoot it into my mouth once a day and be done." Yeah. I said, I would do that. And he said, well, wouldn't you want it to taste delicious? I said, look, it just needs to get past my taste buds so I don't feel like I'm going to throw up, but I don't care. It could taste, frankly, like Pepto-Bismol because I actually don't mind the taste of Pepto-Bismol or NyQuil. All of that is fine. I said, it could taste like Pepto-Bismol and just I shoot it in my mouth and I'm good. And he's like, I don't understand that. He's like, don't you love this kind of food and all that? I was like, that's the thing. I don't understand when so many friends and so many people I've met throughout my life get so excited. Like, they'll talk while they're eating. They'll talk about another restaurant. 
and I just don't get it. And he my said, grandfather, my grandfather used to say there were two kinds of people in the world: those who live to eat, and those who eat to live. You're a person that eats to live. Yeah, we talked about that. But he uh, suggested uh, a thing. He suggested a thing that I hadn't thought of. He said, "Well, you smoke." He's like, so your taste buds. I was like, yeah, well, my scent is exceptional. Like, my, I can smell stuff. I'm really good with scent. He said, yeah, but I think it's affected your taste buds. And then I thought about it because this girl, the offspring of Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. I'm sure you've heard of one or more of those. I know all about that. Yeah, all right. So you know about Nirvana. Uh Kurt Cobain's daughter, who I can recall the day she was born because I remember it being on the news. She's 18 years old now, and I posted that uh, to some friends on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. And I said, I can't believe this girl is 18 now. I can remember the day she was born. And another friend of mine said, yeah, how old do you feel now? You've probably been smoking longer than she's been alive. And that's when it hit me. I was like, I have. I have been smoking longer than that girl has been alive. And that's when it hit me that maybe maybe there's something to that taste buds. This all happened within like a day or two of each other where I thought, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, because I love cooking, but I, I don't really like food that much. I just like cooking. For I like other people to be happy, but I wonder if maybe getting my taste buds back will change that because... Uh, I have exceptional smell, and so I, I'm reading about these electronic cigarettes. I was reading on uh, this community of people, and a guy said, "Look, I've been smoking for 12 years. I smoked well over a pack a day, and I just switched to electronic cigarettes a month ago." And he's like, "I, I love it because because I don't feel like I'm missing anything, but I'm cutting down a lot more. I'm smoking less. I don't have to go outside for a cigarette. All this different stuff." And somebody had replied to him and said, yeah, wait till you get your taste buds back. You'll love food all over again. And this, again, all happened within like two days of each other. And I thought, maybe that's it. Maybe I would love food because at 14, I hadn't, it's not like I went to restaurants. I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't go out for extravagant food. I ate what mom cooked. Not that she yeah. didn't cook well, but you know, you don't know much. You don't. She's not going to go out of her way to make it super fancy because as a child, you're very picky, you know, and you don't care about the nuances of taste or like. Well, but she was like that herself. Oh, really? She, she was she, not a food she, person? She ate right? to live. Mm. She did not live to eat. That makes sense because she had never weighed over 100 pounds in her life. So, oh, yeah. and she never really, you know, she was just not into it. Yeah, that makes sense. Although yeah. she did, I, I guess to me... I mean, she was like she was, you. She liked the cooking and the preparing and the social part of it. But but she liked, she liked her wine, is what I'm saying. And wine oh, yeah, people, she liked wine, but that's got nothing to do with liking pasta or something. You know? I just feel like whenever I hear about somebody who likes wine, it's somebody who really loves food because wine and food... People always no. say, oh, this wine enhances this type of food. She was never no. a big person right. about food at all. Okay. All right. Well, then maybe maybe it's genetic. I don't know. I'm well, curious. Well, I don't know. Out. She didn't smoke, so. I know. I'm just saying. It, may, I don't know. it, she, it, it makes sense, the thing about you know, that your taste buds would be better or something. I don't know. It kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. 
I wonder. But, uh, I wonder if I'll start. I mean, I love. Other things I love painting. eating myself. I the, the, the joy of eating is a wonderful thing. As far as I'm concerned, I I wish that. Have you ever heard Bill Cosby's uh, performance called Forty Nine? I don't think so. I, I can't recall it by that name. No. It was a. It. I don't know when it came out. Obviously, when he was forty nine. I assume. Um, but it never went to DVD. I think it's only on VHS. I need a. I'll. I'll buy, I have to buy you a copy because I have to say I used to have an audio version of it. Somebody had, you know, grabbed it off of the VHS and put it on audio, and I wish I'd have hung on to it because I thought, well, I can get this wherever. But no, I couldn't, and uh, haven't found it since. And it's such a great. It's. It's. You know, himself was done in his like late thirties, mid to late thirties. Right. Again, a competent comedian, but he was just getting used to having all these kids, things like that. Forty nine is is such a uh, it's such an updated version of himself. It's it, he talks about being older or being an older person, or or say he, he calls himself just old in almost like geriatric sense, and comparing his life now to thinking back on his life as a child and thinking about how his parents were to him and how how that reflects on him now he talks about food and uh he talks he's like i love to eat i i go to a and i get all excited i see the menu and i'm i'm salivating and i'm (laughs) he does this whole thing about when he and he's like and i don't want to get too messy i want to stick my whole face in there but i don't i keep one pinky up when i'm eating finger foods you know to to make it nice and so because so i can eat it slowly and it's uh, it's a it's such a great performance. He talks about. I didn't know this. He was in the military for a very short while, and realized he I didn't, didn't belong know that there. either. And he talks about no. his first day in the military, where he could hear the lights turn on at four in the morning. And he said, "I'm just going back to bed." And the sergeant yelling at him to get up out of bed and screaming and yelling. He's like, "Be quiet, man! I'm trying to sleep." Uh, uh. <laughs> this whole thing, and then. Uh, and how he said that while he was in the very brief time that he was in the military, he got it. He said, I get it now. I get why I was supposed to try hard in life. I get why I was supposed to do my homework as a child. I, I get why I was supposed to uh, put everything into everything I did. I, I get why that's important now. I get it. Thank you, Sergeant. I'm leaving. <laughs> And so, you know, uh, you of, notice uh, yeah. that these great comedians, their whole comedy acts about themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's all about their lives and their things, and a lot of times it's sort of a, uh, you know, a critique type thing. Mm-hmm. That's the way Seinfeld is the same way. Yeah, He's got his own little world he lives in, and then he tells you stories about it. And Woody you maintain Allen. that none, none of these people have self-loathing. Woody Allen's the same way, same type of comedy. Woody Allen self-loathing he's, for days. He's self-loathing. Woody oh, Allen. absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld as well. Jerry Seinfeld, a, a friend hey, of mine. I think self-loathing is funny. Yeah, well, I, I said before, I said all comedians have like a certain amount of like self-disdain and self-loathing, and you said, oh, I don't yeah. think that's true. You said a few episodes. I don't know if ago. you've been watching the new. Curb your enthusiasm that oh, just started up it. again. Love it. Although, I, well, let's talk about that because I want to go ahead with, with what well, you're saying. Well, Richard Lewis is. There can't be a more self-loathing comedian than him. I mean, he he's he's like he's constantly got some kind of problem, 
health problem or something. I mean, he's just yeah. he's a mess, you know. But he is funny. I mean, I, yeah, some people absolutely. don't like Richard Lewis, but I think he's funny. I mean, he's just he's just a mess. He's out of control. He's a, you know he's like he's a nervous wreck. He was. I think you know what it is. He was one of the first comedians who made his act about self-loathing. <laughs> I think. He I think that's what it is. He does a good job of it. I'll oh, he's amazing. But uh, you know, it's. I listened to an interview with him recently. There's this podcast called the WTF podcast, and um, it's very much about self-loathing. But the guy sits down with, um, you know, like world-renowned comedians. Um, either just starting out or veterans and he sits yeah. down with them and he's also a comedian and he's always just been sh just snubbed by the industry because he hates himself so much and he's so jealous of everybody's success that he's just has made himself uh, avoid success because of his own sort of neuroses so all the comedians he sits down with he's performed with he knows personally and and many of the older ones have stories about how this guy was so mean to them coming up. <laughs> they all tell him that, like, you were so mean to me. You said the worst things I've ever heard. You know, and, and it's fascinating because now he's, he's like a much nicer guy. He's sort of gotten over that. But he had a two-hour interview or something with Richard Lewis, and Richard Lewis's whole thing was like, very self-loathing, but... Well, Richard uh, Lewis, one of the best ones was the one about the headaches, where he, you know, he's going <laughs> yes. back and forth where he's rubbing his hands, and he says, sometimes I need two headaches because the second one helps the first one. He says, now, you probably <laughs> yeah. don't know how to work. He goes through this whole thing with the headaches. And you know how he does those hands? He's constantly you know, rubbing his hands and walking hands. back and forth. Yeah. He's got bad posture. He's ugly looking with the hair. Yeah, he's got always wears black outfit. That's all he ever wears. See, that's Head what I'm top. saying. I would just, I would. That's what I do. If I was buying a bunch of suits, I'd just buy all black. Yeah, and he just goes back and forth, back and forth, complaining. And anyway, this, did you see the latest uh, the, the, the the curb where he had to sit at the dinner table? Yeah. Now here's my back problem. The, here's the only problem I have with the curb your enthusiasm of this ep of this season. I don't buy that Larry David, with a few quick words and his uh, his acerbic wit, if you will, is is able to go on dates and bed the women that he purports to bed in these episodes. It's it's almost driving me nuts because I'm like, this is well, let's living out like a weird nerd fantasy. Let's face it, in Hollywood, if you're Larry David, there are many women that would like to go to bed with you. I mean, let's let's face it. In reality, yeah, just, in reality, yes. Yeah. But, but the difference is that he's in the show. He never uses that. He's just some guy. Nobody ever knows who he is. Nobody ever references that he did Seinfeld. None of that. Oh, they do that all the time. And some of the, the the girls, though, the girls that he ends up with, the they uh, know who he is. The, you don't say. No, no. The the uh, the Israeli women. Uh, remember yeah, that, that was, she that had was, no idea. That was a different thing, right there. The redhead seemed to have no idea, and she was very quick to cut him out the moment he started getting all whiny, like he does. Uh, and, the most recent episode with the with the plane flight, that girl didn't care who he was until he supposedly saved somebody. 
So these are all based on things that have nothing to do with him being Larry David as a guy who helped make Seinfeld. So I could buy it if it was if he was literally going off of his own success, but he's not. And that's where See, it's sort I think of he might me. be stealing some Woody Allen stuff there because you know, Woody always had beautiful girlfriends in the movies. Yeah. And uh I always felt like in real life he had Mia Farrow. That was about it. I mean he he you know, he it was kind of a fantasy him. I mean, he always had beautiful women in his movies. I mean, yeah, yeah. Famously beautiful. In fact, a lot of them got famous from being in the movies, including Meryl Streep. Yes, yes. And well, that's, Sharon uh, that's Stone. The, that's and, the thing uh, that sort of bothers me because it's sort of it's hard for me to get into that mindset where I'm like, uh, they would never talk to you <laughs> in real life if you were the character that you're playing. They would Absolutely. never. They wouldn't care. At all. Well, the, the Wood, the Wood. Uh, Woody the Allen Wood, specifically. The Woody made it part of the comedy. I mean, that's part of why it was funny. I thought was because you can't picture Diane Keaton, right. you know, just kind of falling for him type of thing, you know. Right. right. Falling for the character he was playing, you know. He, 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 <laughs> that's created it. Do you realize that's, that's like. It's created a whole generation of people around my age and and younger because they still make those movies based probably quite heavily on Woody Allen. They still make the character where it's like, yeah. this girl would never go for me in any sort of romantic or sexual sense, but she likes my wit and humor, so she'll be friends with me. And then one day, that guy goes, hey, you date all these guys that look really attractive but have nothing behind it. You should go for me. I've been here with you all along. And that works yeah. great in the movies. But if I had a yeah. dollar for every female friend of mine who's who who hates that, like it, just, like it's so annoying because they keep thinking they have all these male friends. And I say, look, I don't mean to be – it's like one of those conversations I have with them where they either stop talking to me entirely or I'm the only one that they can be honest with where I say, listen – Every single one of those male friends wants to date you and is hoping that you're just going to hate yourself long enough one day that they can tell you that they really, really uh, love you. And it happens well, at, all the at, time. At, at my age presently, I get a kick out of any kind of inter interaction with very young girls and guys. There's, a, <laughs> there's two golf magazines that are local. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like the DFW golf scene. And all they're right. free magazines. You ever had all the golf courses every month? You can pick them up. And there's a lot of ads in them. But they both do a section on what's called a cart girl. <laughs> which, which is every golf course, every golf course has these sexy girls that drive a cart around the course while you're playing, selling hot dogs and sandwiches and beer and Whatever else you want to drink, mixed drinks, whatever you want. Of course, of course. And they're always sexy little young girls, you know, and they're driving around. A lot of them are barefoot, you know. They just kind of, you know. Mm -hmm. So they have the card girl of the month in the magazine, and they have an interview with the card girl of the month, you know, where they just a question and answer, question and answer kind of thing. It's not a, it's not a Charlie Rose interview, but it's just a question. Uh -oh. And it, the fun part of reading it is they start asking them what kind of guy would they date or, you know, 
what would be your ideal guy? And you read these things, they all say almost exactly the same thing. Let me let me see if I can guess. Well, I would like him to be at least. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I think I'm I'm, I'm going to guess. Well, Height. tall, tall, yes, tall. Yeah. Uh, tall. They don't necessarily say they want him like a ripped, muscular, but thin. Um, they like guys who are kind healthy. of on. They always say healthy. Yeah, healthy. That's the that's good, the good teeth. Yeah, good teeth. Healthy. Uh, uh, maybe a little like on the nerdy side. They like a guy with some brains, and he has to have a sense of humor. He yeah, has to make me laugh. He has to make me laugh, and that, I want to feel like it. he's if smart. You make me laugh, yes. you win my heart, kind of thing. No. Yeah. Not yeah. true at all. I've made I've made thousands, thousands of women laugh. Thousands. <laughs> thousands. At a time, but, I've made, my record is probably 300 women at a time laughing. And out of those 300 women, not a single one would even look at me when I stood next to them at the bar. Not a one. You know, there's a skill to Never. hitting a golf ball, and there's a skill <laughs> to being a comedian. And there's also a skill to meeting women. Yes. yes. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Look, I know women are liars when they say what they want. I, I know that. I mean, that's... Well, if you read these girls, I mean, there's not enough guys like they describe to fit all these card girls. I mean, for one thing, uh, <laughs> these people, are, they're, they're talking about people that are, you know, like what I'm saying... Well, I, I want him to be an athlete. The guy says, you mean like a professional athlete? Oh, yes, a professional athlete. I'm thinking, you know what the odds are of this going out with Tony Romo or somebody? I mean, jeez. Well, it's it's the funny thing that, I, that I, I try to say is like, look, you if a guy is an athlete, right, if he's focused yeah. his life on being an athlete, yeah. uh, he's not funny. That's fact. No, he's not, he's not going to be funny. He will not be. Times, he's not real smart either. Definitely, <laughs> definitely not book read. You know what I mean? He's, <laughs> he coasted through school. They gave him a pass on a few grades so he could stay in the sports that he was in. Not only That's that, he that a lot of women hanging around him all the time. That's about. fine. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> does not, yeah, does not need to get charm and wit. Okay. That's Somebody like me has charm and wit, but I lack athleticism because I, that was not a priority for me. I never focused on that. If you want to ask me how to fix your car, I'll drive you to the nearest AAA. I'm not going to help you with that. So it's like you can't have the full package. You just it just it just doesn't happen. It's, it's, it goes the same way uh, the other way is that I found that even on, on the female side of things, women who are very attractive. Uh, are given certain uh, leeway, uh, given a lot more leeway than, say, a girl who's not attractive. Uh And so a girl who's not attractive will end up using her brains more often as well and have, let's say, a science degree or things like this. She'll be very smart and nerdy and all these different things. Um, But she's not going to be very attractive. Meanwhile, a very attractive girl is not going to be pressed on her... uh, Social skills, necessarily her wit, her charm. Uh, she won't have to work on those things. She won't, uh, you know what I'm saying? It goes both ways. I don't think yeah. that. Because I think that it's it's based on what you focus on. And, and so what I'm trying to do right now in my life is, is, uh, is become slightly more attractive by taking better care of my health 
and maybe sticking around on this uh, godforsaken planet a little longer by, uh, you know, having um, uh, not smoking so much and, let's say, taking vitamins and working out and things like that. Although I wonder if by doing that I will lose my humor because I'll be focused too much on how I look and not enough on how funny I am. So we'll see. It's an experiment. But you see, in my opinion, you reduce your likelihood with some of the stuff that you look like. You know, with the metal stuff and all yeah, that. Yeah. You reduce the field quite a bit. Well, I'll say this. I uh when I was just when I had It's just an odds thing, you know. It's when I when I dyed odd. my hair and I took I took I, did, I just had normal hair. It was just brown hair, let's say. And it was growing <laughs> out like it was, as you saw, for several weeks there. Nobody was talking to me. I put this little red this little red <laughs> this little red patch in there. Nobody got, was talking to Oh me. yeah. I'm telling you, this little red patch I, yeah. I couldn't tell you in the last week. A 400% increase in amount of women who talk to me. Oh, jeez. So, um, I gotta go say, to, I gotta call BS on that. I gotta go say. To a museum, an art museum. Or now, something. the girls who would talk to a guy who's got normal hair and things like that would probably also expect me to be a lot more athletic because they want a normal looking guy. Uh, the kind of girls I go for are the ones I'm talking about who have charm and wit. And are used to guys who are screwed up looking and or have extra pounds or aren't very athletic or whatever. They're nerdy. Uh, The kind of girls who go for a guy like me uh, and that I go for look uh, look look for what I have right now or or with the mohawk and things like that. If I looked all normal, they'd be terribly upset because I'm way under I'm way under what they look for. I'd have to have to put on a serious muscle. I'd have to dress, you know, Gucci every day. It would be, it would be. I'd have to worry about my looks way more. Yeah. There's no way that they'd be like, "Oh, I met this hot guy. He was, oh, he's so. What's he do? He's a web designer." And they'd hey. be like, all their friends would be like, "So he's a nerd?" And they'd be like, "No, no, you don't understand. He's." He's so hot. No, no. Uh. no. <laughs> the moment they say web designer, all of them just go, "Mm-hmm." Like you're uh, a nerd, so those kinds of girls would never go for a guy like me anyway. So why would I try to impress them? Well, just my opinion. Now we've reached yeah. three minutes past. Nine. <laughs> okay, okay. It's been you a know, good combo. It's been a good combo. Yeah, it's a good conversation. Nice I, I and riffing. You, you start off with the women combo. <laughs> That's my favorite subject. I just don't know how to broach it on here. Because yeah, but what have... I'm saying is it, it feeds the imagination part of the brain, you know, and you start it's thinking fair. of other things and stuff. It kind of flows yeah. from yeah. women into all these things. Well, well, the thing is I do a lot of that online very dating. And women I... are very mysterious. Very uh, I guess. They have their moments, but I've, I've been doing a lot of like the online dating kind of stuff, and I don't want to talk to you about that next time because it's... Oh, that'd be a good topic. It is, no, it's great. It's it's fascinating to, to we think... We don't want to talk about it now, no, though. No. Because it's fascinating to think about it. So so for next time is all I'm saying. And yeah. uh, we'll see if maybe I get a date in the next week. That could happen. It's, it's I, I say I give it about I'll have like 65, 65% oh. chance. All right, cool. Sounds good. You- Come back with the uh, <laughs> with the uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know you could have the day topic. Yeah, or yeah. The, well, you mean we talked about before, and you said that uh, it's funny how people are these days with the online dating because you say if you met in person, none of these topics that I say that we talk about 
would ever come up until way into the relationship. And it's funny because you compare that to online dating where right off the bat, it's like, do you want kids? <laughs> I mean, literally the moment you view somebody's profile. Have you ever been to one? This is the ones that I would be fascinated if I was a single young guy is the, is the two minute thing or whatever it is. Oh, speed dating. I have a story about that. Speed dating. I have a story about that. I, did I that think on, that's fascinating. You I sit at the table, a, you talk to like 200 people in one night. They just full, I, I did that on a full. nationally syndicated TV program, actually. And my friends give me crap for it all the time. So, uh-oh. I think I lost you, though. Dreams. I love you. Be careful. Right, I love you, too, Dad. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.